0: Our reading this morning is from the senior minister at Judson Memorial Church in New York City, the Reverend Donna Shaper, who shares here about love and marriage through the metaphor of a vineyard. Her reference to Hosea is about his attempt to make up with his wife after breaking the covenant. Then I will restore back her vineyards. Hosea. The prophet Hosea is downright romantic in this passage, promising not only that the broken marriage will be healed, but that the vineyards will be restored. My friend says he plays penultimate frisbee, not ultimate frisbee. Many of us play marriage penultimately, and that's why the vineyards are not yet restored. In the marriage vow, we say no to consumerism in our romantic lives. Of course, there is somebody better for you or who has less expensive teeth. There always will be. When you find the next one, there will also be a next one. One day you will wake up and realize that nobody ever really loved me the way I wanted to be loved. If you insert conditions into the covenant, so will your partner. If you take conditions out of the covenant, so might your partner. I said might, not will. To get the love we want, we need to give it. Unconditional restores the fertility of the vineyard. Conditional yields the grapes of wrath. I've been married through five dead dogs to the same man for 32 years. He knows how feeble I am. He knows my anger and its lack of a shut-off valve. He knows my varicose veins. He could, if he tried, advise less when we play tennis or laugh more. We could get my veins fixed and his tennis chatter ceased and probably not love each other that much more. Over the years, the conditions have disappeared. As they did, the vineyards got that ancient twine you see in winter, where you don't know which vine is which. So happy are they to be clung and flung and twined together.
1: Isn't that great? She's wonderful. Ended up not having to do anything with my sermon today, but um, there you go. No, No conditions. Here's our world. Beautiful and terrible things will always happen. Let us keep our hearts tender and keep our eyes soft, because this is what you and I are about. We know there is no answer but to love one another. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction and then we gather here in community every week to practice being the person that we say we want to be. We cannot do everything, but we can always do even just one thing, and that just one thing is never nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. In the words of Leonard Cohen, there is a crack in everything. Say with me, that is how the light gets in. When our daughter Ella was three, we enrolled her into a preschool program taught by and led by um, this congregation's own Ellen Kirstein who, who sits there in the back. And Ellen runs it out of her her basement, her beautiful basement, I should say, um, in her home in Holliston. It's never easy to see the people you love leave you. Whether that's for a day, or a week, or years, or a lifetime. But when you're a preschooler, Three hours feels hard because even though that window of time is barely enough for you to, God, I don't know, take a shower <laughs> or, or go to the store um, or just breathe. For our Ella and for many, if not most toddlers, The prospect of parents dropping her off in the morning was emotionally devastating, if not, in fact, actual abandonment. We tried everything, juice, Uh, candy, (laughs) Um, boxes of those little box cereals, you know, like the ones that come in the saran wrap and like there's 12 of them and there's enough sugar for, I don't know, a lifetime. Uh, promises of unhealthy amount of screen time (laughs) nothing worked not even Ellen's beatific smile or Ellen's inspired made up on the spot songs and I I hope you she might even do it on the spot if you ask her to sing you the one that she made up about being two but none of it worked it got to the point where preschool mornings causes something like pre-traumatic stress syndrome, <laughs> which I think I just made up. But all parents and guardians and babysitters and teachers, you know what I mean, right? You right? That's right. But if necessity is the mother of invention, then desperation is the mother of curing separation anxiety. Because one day, Karen, my wife, got inspired. She taking Ella down the, the stairs the preschool. And Ella, I could I was following. I could see Ella, big eyes, pre-scream, that face. She took Ella then to the far corner of the, of the, uh, of the basement. And she said, we're going to play a game. Now, games are like catnip to toddlers. They're like toddler nip. <laughs> she says to Ella, I'm going to put you here in the far corner, and you stay here. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving, honey. I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. And to me, she gives me the eyes that say, I know what you're thinking. We're not going to drop her and bolt. <laughs> she says, I'm going to leave you here, in the far corner, Ella, who learned to walk at nine months and learned to run at nine months and one week. (laughs) And then, honey, I want you to run as fast as you can from the corner all the way across the room as fast as you can, and I want you to give me the biggest hug that your arms can give. And then I want you to go all the way back to the corner, and I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to run as fast as you can as your legs will take you and give your dad the biggest hug you can with your arms. And Ella's eyes grew wide, but this time with excitement and not fear. And she says in a toddler accent, a running hug? (laughs) Exactly, a running hug. But here's the thing, Karen said, it's only, This game's only going to be played if you let dad and me leave without losing your mind. (laughs) She she didn't quite say it that way, but that was the gist. (laughs) Because listen, um, listen, Karen said to Ella, we'll see you in only three hours. And then we will run back here. It'll be our turn to run and give you a hug in return. Okay? And she nodded. And I'm thinking, this can't work. (laughs) I mean, this is like parenting (laughs) jujitsu. This can't possibly work. Okay? And she nodded. And then we put our baby girl in the corner and then we said go and she ran so fierce everybody with her arms wide there's no self-consciousness in her and you know how toddlers they lean forward her heart running faster than her feet her feet trying to to catch up with her heart into Karen's arms, who lifted her high into the ceiling, and then, okay, time to do it again, this time for dad, and okay, she says, no tiredness in her legs, no pre-separation stress in her face, running back to the corner, and then go, and she ran so fierce again across the floor, her arms open, no self-consciousness, leaning forward, her heart running faster than her feet, her feet trying to catch up with her heart, into my arms, and me lifting her into the ceiling, high into the ceiling. Ellen, do you remember that? I see you there, yeah. <laughs> but now for the test of truth. Okay, Ella, now it's time to go with Miss Ellen. We'll see you in a few hours, and we can do that again. Okay? Okay okay, she says. As if it was us who was making this so difficult. That's fine. What's the big deal? And we turned around and walked up the stairs, our ears hearing not a single wailing sound, not a whimper, not a single drop of a tear on the floor. I'll be damned. I love being a dad, but I will confess to you that I don't so much miss those toddler times, <laughs> except for this, the, um, the free abandon, the lack of being conscious of, of yourself, right? The heart running faster than the feet, the feet trying to catch up with the heart. Something happens to us as we get older, doesn't it? We, we get filters that, that put brakes on, on us, on our heart. They slow our steps so that we somehow get more restrained in showing our love like you know guys guys give each other these awkward handshake hug chest bump things <laughs> i want to say to the men as a guy let's give each other a hug it's okay to show your emotion or how couples you know in the same room together i mean good grief on the same couch they text each other <laughs> rather than just turn around and say, hey, now look, Karen and I do this all the time. I'm not up here preaching holier than thou, okay? (laughs) Or how teens need distance. Our daughter, now Ella, now 15. And separation, understandably, such that that heart emojis that she might send one of us and kiss emojis become the equivalent of a 500-mile Hug, running hug, the song that we heard from the proclaimers just a moment ago. Remember that song? Those emojis now, prized, beloved, cherished. Something happens though as we grow up and old such that running because something something that we do not in response to to love and to hugs anymore instead you know what we do we listen we run marathons we run errands we run ourselves ragged these are the this is the language of our time we run 5ks we run a little bit wild on date night and we stay up past 10. We run ourselves into the ground. Are you hearing me? We run all the time, but rarely do our feet lag behind our heart. Rarely does our heart run faster than our feet. What happened? to me, to you. What happened, what has come of our love and our affection and our passion such that it doesn't make us run anymore? I want to know that. What happened that the things that are small, the smallness of life, the the lesser things, the minutiae, why is it those things that, that make us run? that make our feet so fast and our heart so far behind our feet. What happened to us is my question. I don't know. I wonder. Unless, of course, there is an emergency. Unless then. And now, as this week dawned, and, and Reverend Heather and Tasker, one of our board members and a member here, and I, we plan this installation of the desks, remembering the 17 lives lost this coming Thursday. Their names, Alyssa, Scott, Martin, Nicholas, Aaron, Jamie, Chris, Luke, Kara, Gina, Joaquin, Elena, Meadow, Helena, Alex, Carmen, Peter, and though not in Parkland because I'm thinking of it this morning. Olivia. These names chosen lovingly by parents and each of them and I'm remembering now the footage we saw on on our screens of the parents and the classmates and the siblings when the news broke of the shooting the video not of of anybody walking what were they doing Running with fear, so fierce, but love, so fierce. Their hearts so much faster than their feet could take them. With abandon and desperation and hope and anguish. And some absolutely most even blessed with relief. Cradling their babies in their arms, running into hugs, running hugs everywhere, everywhere. And yes, some met unspeakable, unspeakable loss. <laughs> I cannot even imagine. But our faith asks us to imagine, to walk in each other's shoes. That's what, that's what we say to compassion, to compassion with those who are near you and far away, that's what we say. To reach out to those in pain who we know and who we do not know. But friends, I still have this question, Why? why do we wait for emergency to run with fierceness to those we love? Why does it seem that loss or the fear of loss inspires us to run with honest love toward our children, our partners, our parents, our friends? Do we take them for granted? I think I do. I think you do. It has been a terrible week for my family. Out of the blue, the sky blue, our baby boy, he's not a boy, so invincible, just like that, got so sick. rushed by ambulance from the doctor and then to the pediatric floor and then to the ICU and then back to the pediatric floor and hoses and tubes and oxygen and masks everywhere his body so just six days ago so independent and free and strong and within a day completely dependent on nurses and doctors and medicine. You know who runs with urgency and fierceness and love? Nurses do. Doctors do. The people that brought Emerson his first meal in six days do. God bless you. If you're one of those people, God bless them. All the people who show up like that. And you know who else runs? Me. Karen. Ella. Our heart running so much faster than our feet would take us, than... Good God! Then the traffic between Holliston and Metro West Framingham would allow us oh, Framingham Center. <laughs> us running hugs ba- back and forth, back and forth. From you too, this congregation that has known him like we know all of our kids but Emerson since he was, he was three through our whole lives and, and coming of age and sporadic youth group if any at all because his dad is the minister, right? <laughs> Here is my message to us that I am feeling And relearning again, because you deserve to know that your minister has so much to learn, just like you. We need to run and not walk with our love across the living rooms of our life. We need to not let emergency or fear or viral pneumonia be the thing that gets you to run with wild, unselfconscious abandon towards those who need and want our running hugs. We need to not let bad knees or busy schedules or routine be the excuse you give for why your heart lags so far behind your feet. We need to not wait. We need to not pause. We need to not hesitate. We need to not lag. We need to not promise to do it later. We need to not be chill. We need to not go slow. We need to say to ourselves across the room, like Karen said to Ella, we need to say to ourselves, go. And we need to run with our arms open. Our arms are open and our bodies forward, ahead of our feet, our heart ahead of our feet, our feet trying to catch up with our heart. And we need to run into the arms of our beloved, whoever they are, wherever they are. And when we do that, I want us to feel our spirit lifted up to the ceiling. Okay? Because our lives are short, but our love is fierce. So why wait? Why not start now on that 500-mile or 1,000-mile running hug?